The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. Also, every month we're going to be giving away any one item to a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or above. Check out patreon.com slash professional casual for more information. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Welcome back to the space between discussing Season two of The Boys. We are here for the season finale of season two, episode eight, called What I Know. I am your host, Tim. Insert punchline here, France. Uh, with me today is, as always, is my co-host, uh, host of the Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure, author of Landing Girl Without Fear. Um, it's Dan Cole. But, uh, yeah, that's me. I'm here. And always, again, he's my favorite, as well as most likely yours, uh, Ben Relaford of the Carton Cast. Thank you, thank you. Want to ask me about an out-of-contact moment from the comics? I, I really would. <laughs> hey, ben. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, today I've got something special. I've been saving one in my back pocket for just such an occasion as the season finale. Um, today's out-of-context mo- moment from the comic books is Huey is breastfed by a building-sized blob monster. <laughs> this happens on purpose. Excuse me? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I bet you saved that one. What the fuck? <laughs> I, yeah. What? What size building? Yeah. Like a house or like... A- uh, about the size of Mother's Milk's basement, let's say. <laughs> Because that's where it happens. Blob monster? Wow. Okay. V does some stuff, you know? Okay, I really need to read around. I mean, if there's anyone that would need to be breastfed by, uh, you know. A blob monster? A blob monster. I would certainly be a Huey. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one it happens to. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Thank you for Mm -hmm. that, Ben. (laughs) You are welcome. So... (laughs) Uh, episode eight titled uh, what I know uh, starts out similar to the last episode where we get a cold open, uh, except this time it is into like an old school um, like PSA for a school <laughs> about how to defend yourself in your class against supervillain attacks. Oh, so ridiculous. These are, these are so good. Every time like so many of the episodes open up with this is how Vought sees the world and wants you to see the world. And this one is just straight up duck and cover from the 1950s. Right. We're like. It's clear that hiding under your desk is not going to do anything. It's clear that arming your teacher with a handgun will not kill any superheroes, which have been shown over and over to be immune to bullets. Oh, that got me going when they were like, your teacher will be armed with a vault issued sidearm. And I was like, yeah, uh, the people tried have like proposed that idea in the real world. And I was like, I will not be a teacher if I'm required to have a handgun. That is ridiculous. I, I could see this too, just the vertical integration that is Vaught. 
of number one, having the government contract to supply all teachers yes. with issue handguns, but yes. also both creating the heroes and what will most likely be the hero killer bullets right. that they specifically have for just teachers. Um, that is that is exactly the case. Yeah, they just have HK stamped on the the shell of it, but it's not actually any different from a regular bullet. But they cost eight times as much. Yes. So I know uh, a lot about bullets, Dan. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> So Mallory and Victoria Newman meet with the Secretary of Defense, Robert Singer, about pushing the agenda against Vought. But in the wake of what's happened at the House hearing, the president has authorized use of Compound V for military and law enforcement. And apparently it's going for about five million a dose. And the Pentagon has orders in. Everyone's got orders in. Um, They're going to make fucking bank. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Vought stands to make a fucking fortune here um lots of fortunes how does this even like play together they've been denying that they even knew about compound v making superheroes (laughs) and now they're selling it to the military like literally a week later if anybody can spin it's vaught they're the best at like this the thing was supposed to sink them and now they're gonna make more money off of it they just don't give a shit probably all of the media so yeah but it it so I think what this is telling us, it like so much has happened since the head blown up kind of escapade where like, oh, suddenly, as you said, V is being marketed and sold by Vought and, and, and given to like military contractors and whatnot. I think that this is like a hint that what we're seeing is like the ball is rolling out of control out of Vought's hands because mm. Vought doesn't stand to gain by having the publicly accessible or to have it accessible through somebody other than like military that they presumably control. Um, I don't think they want it in the public hands. I don't think that ice getting compound V is good for Vought, even if they can sell it to them, like they need the monopoly. That's, that's their brand. So I think what we're seeing is that this is, um, this is a, uh, crisis of Stormfront's creation and all they can do is play it to the finish line. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we get like a, uh, I want to say Leslie Nielsen, but that's not the case. Um, Harrison Ford style, like running away fugitive scene with Becca escaping Vaught. Uh, there's like dudes with dogs and flashlights in the woods chasing her down and she's hiding in like storm drains and or like the, trees and stuff. Like the ring wraiths. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Under the fucking tree. <laughs> uh, Starlight says goodbye to her mom who gives her, you know, a new, uh, Protestant cross necklace. I want to say crucifix, but it wasn't crucifix. <laughs> She's really fighting for that. Those grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> and the boys uh, start arming up against the soups. Uh, we get a really funny bit where, you know, Frenchie's just a fucking badass when it comes to, I'm going to strap a bunch of batteries to an arrow and that's going to take out Stormfront. <laughs> it should overload her or something. It should yeah. short out her lightning. And they're like, is this going to work? And he's like, I don't know, probably. <laughs> Huey and ass bomb worked right you know that he's this he's supposed to be the expert in killing soups so yeah this is what he does yeah this is his jam uh starlight and huey um ask for like one more day to try something else to get another witness uh on the stand but it seems like everyone's just kind of gung-ho about well let's just kill him and i love how frenchie has that like roadrunner analogy here (laughs) About how, well, we can't just keep chasing them. Sometimes you just need an AR-15 and you kill that fucking bird. Like, <laughs> meep, meep. Um, but I also kind of felt like Huey was right. If all they do is kill the remains of the seven or even just a couple of them, Vought just makes more. The government has access to Compound V now. Like, it, it is 
it is outside of um, resolution by those means. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I do appreciate the bravado of Butcher just saying, well, that one's killed the new ones too. <laughs> not, I, I think not that that is specifically because Butcher, I, part of his character is violence against soups is an end in and of itself for him. It also gives him a good, nice outlet for all of his violent tendencies. Yeah, it's like, well, sure. these fuckers clearly deserve it. So if there's an infinite supply of fuckers, I could just kill fuckers the rest of my life and be, you know, <laughs> you know, morally and, and, and personally satisfied. So he, I, th- I think that that's a little bit of what's driving him here. He's almost like his own personal Halliburton. You know what I mean? If I kill the soups, then they'll make more which means I'll be able to kill soups forever. I will never go out of business for the one thing <laughs> I that I want to do. die. Yeah. Uh, Stormfront and Homelander have a discussion about who popped the heads at the house of the hearing. <laughs> so apparently Homelander was not aware of it. Um, he was looking around dumbfounded during that whole scene, and now we know why. He's like, this is strange, but not unpleasant. Right. <laughs> um, and he wasn't ever scared because he's Homelander. But at least we get a little reference as to why she wants an army of soups. Uh, she wants the paparazzi and the movies and the media bullshit fucking done. She wants a military state and she wants to be at the head. Uh, just really fascism in this, in this purest form. I, Homelander is kind of uncomfortable with it because like the media bullshit is what he knows how to do. He would mm. actually make a terrible, you know, uh, yes. Hitler figure or like <laughs> leader of people. Like We've he can't actually him. lead. He can act in movies and pretend to be, you know, 1950s a Captain America stand-in. You know, that that's all he knows. Yeah. That's yep. all he's capable of. And the actor who plays Homelander, uh, Anthony Starr, is so good. Any one of these scenes where he is not 100% on board... Or when he is 100% on board, like right. he, he commands every scene that he's in. It's, he, yes. like, it's amazing. Um, I, I'm still kind of betting on the collective at this point or Cindy or a combination of the two um, or Cindy on Stormfront's command to accelerate her plans as far as um, knocking all these dudes off. Because it almost kind of seems similar to the plane scene um, where it's like, oh, terrorists did this. This is why we need to militarize Vaught. This is why we need international authority. It seems kind of like at least at this point, that that was kind of the plan, maybe? Or at least I could see that being the case of like, oh, well, now there's a superhero or supervillain attack on home soil. So now we really need to make sure everyone gets juiced up and can and can deal with this. It, it seems like they're setting up Stormfront is taking the situation in one way and Vought wants to take it in a different way. Like all of yes. the pieces are lining up, but we're going to reach a critical point where it veers either left or right, depending on which one of them is on top. Mm-hmm. Like killing Vogelbaum before he divulges Vought's secrets probably benefited both of them. Um, but now the ball is running out of control and it's a lot is going to depend on the next few hours. Yeah, they have to pivot and it is it is at right angles, but there are yeah. several right angles you can you can take. Um, Huey and Starlight uh, head over to Maeve's to try to recruit her. Um, she calls, uh, Huey a little twink and says that she would split Huey's twink ass like dry firewood. Uh, I don't think she knows what that word means. I Probably not. But, uh, <laughs> Maeve, uh, has apparently given up hope like completely. Uh, when they ask her to help, she just fucking kind of flips shit. And in a not surprising way either, just she, she's fucking done. She lost hope a long no, time ago. She's been ago. working been, toward this. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yep. I like this 
reaction to everything that's going on because not every i like that they show not everybody's like okay now we have to do something about it sometimes people just have had enough mm-hmm. and Maeve's had enough and she's she's basically may's been in the game a lot longer too right like, yeah i think it was you know we've had all those sequences with her and starlight drawing that very clear comparison of like listen i used to be here but this industry has ground me down uh and this is the logical conclusion of that where you stop giving a fuck just whole stop um, and that's what happens in the comics before we ever see Maeve. She has gone through the meat grinder that is Vought International. And uh, just you you get everything human sucked out of you if you're in the business for too long. Um, mm. And that's where we open up on her. So now in the comics, is she is she so already ingrained in that mentality or does she have the back and forth that we've gotten in the show where um you know, she still kind of wants to be that person deep down, but she's just been slapped down too many times to to really give it her all. Or is she just completely out of it throughout the entirety of the of the series? OK, two part answer. First of all, actually answering your question, uh, which is <laughs> which is uh, she she is, you know, on the face of it, out of it by the time starlight walks in you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed very like idealistic sense of things Maeve just tells her to fuck off and is constantly getting drunk and boning down in her room and not doing anything good she comes around by the end of it where she at least gets starlight out like she does protect starlight as she sort of resonates with something in her that isn't quite dead yet um but yeah it's it's more of that two-sided thing although they try to play it straight as like no i'm just a dead person walking uh other part, hmm. uh, the reason that she's so pissed off to begin with is partly because it's Vought and also partly because Black Noir pretended to be Homelander while fucking her because they were in, she and Homelander were in a relationship Ooh. and Homelander subbed like it's it's classic like porn pranking my girlfriend kind of, <laughs> you know, you know, tags. Where it's yeah. like, no, Ooh. this is going to be hilarious. We'll just have somebody who looks exactly like me screw her instead and then tell her about it because that that's Homelander's character in the comic books is he's just wow. a sadistic Oof. prick. The old tag yep. team rodeo. <laughs> the, the old tag team rodeo indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Becca finds Butcher uh, under the pawn shop and tells him that Ryan's been taken in a, in a super quick scene. How, how did we how did she find them? He told her he was living under a pawn shop in this area of New York City. <laughs> I forget all what. The pawn shops. Right, so she's been running around. Do you have people in your basement? <laughs> 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 My thing is how sometimes the travel on the show bugs me because like it one episode was like a big deal that they drove all the way down to like Virginia or whatever to learn about liberty. And mm-hmm. then like there are times where they say there's a place outside Rochester and they're there in the next scene. And it's like, that would be like an eight hour drive from New York city. Like that's a long time. Yeah. But at, it does, they don't need to show them riding in the car every time I get that. But do we know generally where Becca was coming from? How long did she go on foot here? My assumption in a lot of situations is that everything is ambiguously in upstate New York. Yes. It drives me crazy. Um, Being from upstate New York. And it's like, not everything is an hour drive from the city. Like, most things are half a day drive from the city. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, someone like Rochester. hiding out in your backyard right now. Oh, right. Shit. <laughs> I can't I see mean, out the window. She knows that there are people <laughs> in the basement recording right now. She needs to let us know. <laughs> but uh, we, we shoot over to the Church of the Collective. Stan Edgar's meeting with Alistair. Um, apparently, he sold the deep back in. 
uh, but A-Train's a no-go uh, exclusively because Stormfront's a racist bitch. Um, it's all it comes down to. There is this... Uh, the actor that plays Stan Edgar is phenomenal. Um, oh, he's amazing. Yes. And he just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I really like Stan Edgar here because, like, first of all, again, the acting is phenomenal. He, and we're going to see this soon, he is the face of a corporation. He has no personality other than I need to do what is right for Vought. And I love that. Yeah. Um. But what's also telling is that, like, this is the first time we're seeing them interact, which to me says that Vought is desperate. Yes, very much so. Like, I, I think that uh, Alistair and the Church of the Collective are a tenuous, not publicly endorsed relationship that Edgar has but doesn't want to rely on. Like, I think that's bad press for him if it gets out that they are working together. Yeah. Um. So the fact that he is caving to his demands kind of tells you a lot. Well, and they're they're super familiar. They've obviously worked together before, especially when Stan Edgar's and I was like, oh, so what's the church commission these mm. days? And I, I do like the back alley dealing kind of nature of the whole thing. You know, we're in, in this whole season. I mean, I guess in, in the boys in general, uh, corporate corruption is an element of it. Um, yeah. and, and this kind of gives you a little bit of insight into like what kind, what's the what the insider baseball is really like. And nothing, yeah. nothing's particularly illegal but it does kind of have that revolving door kind of feeling to it where like people go from Vought to the collective try to get back into Vought. this is like a well-worn pathway it's that vertical integration again you know yeah Vought fires you they send you to the collective the collective you know probably has you sign Cleans over your everything image. that you've ever owned and <laughs> uh i mean it's a great racket assuming that that's the case i but like if Vought gives you the world and then the collective taxes that out of you and then sends you back to i mean it's it's a great it's like an uh, addiction cycle really yeah um they know mm -hmm. what they're doing that's for sure how to fuck with people and a train's apparently like listening to this whole conversation and um because he's a stealthy boy now yeah yeah uh and you know finds out that you know he would absolutely be back in the seven if it wasn't for literally just one person not liking black people like that's it that was the only barrier yeah, and that's 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 just like real world, very frustrating. Like yep. head of a corporation is probably going to be older white guy. Older white guy has a good chance of being some sort of racist, mm -hmm. racist tendencies trickle down from the top and like influence policy like this is very real world difficulty for like black people trying to get work in certain industries. Yeah, sucks. From, well, from my from my white boy perspective, understandably. Well, so in, in a very similar situation. Um, Miracle Whip really wanted God to sponsor damn. the network. Um, and I hate mayonnaise in every form and fashion, whether you think Miracle Whip is mayonnaise, mayonnaise or not. Um, so I, I completely turned down the, the twenties of thousands of dollars that they offered us. Good. Um, because I, because I hate mayo. Well, they have a shit product. Yeah. I, I don't mean, think anybody on the network can even tolerates Miracle Whip. No, I mean, the only thing worse than mayonnaise is trying to be mayonnaise <laughs> that like in charleston milk Chew. lying about being milk yeah but then you can't make mac salad yeah i don't like mac salad either T don't get him started he doesn't like anything white and creamy yeah pretty much um That's oh food. he's one of those health he's one of those self-hating white creamy boys <laughs> <laughs> i do love edgar's line here where alistair's trying to convince him to take both deep and a train back and he says 
one is redemption, two is weakness. It's actually I like really how Edgar point. is just like, yeah, whatever. I don't actually care about these people at all. I was just trying to get as much as I could. Right, yeah. Oh, man, he doesn't give a shit about anybody. It's so good. Uh, um, so the boys uh, back at the Clarkson Ave are just pampering uh, Becca. As I, <laughs> I love it. She's a celebrity, and it just makes Heard so, so much, much sense. so much about you. There has been years upon years of them with their sole focus being avenging Becca and then finding Becca and then trying to get Becca back. Like, this is like, I completely get why they're doing it. This is like everything that they've ever worked for. Talk about putting somebody on a pedestal. Could there be a higher pedestal than what these people have heard about Becca? Because they haven't ever met her before, right? It was before, because Butcher like joined the whole crew because Becca, he thought was dead. Mm -hmm. Went missing, of course. But I also think they're interested. I also think they're interested in like, how becca reflects on butcher like they know that he has made himself like suicidal over this person and they want context into that side of him right like i I think that they're investigating who could possibly drive him to such lengths well and at every point where we see butcher doing something that would be not morally ambiguous but on, on the very evil end of that it's all in Becca's name. Yeah, it's all in Becca's name. And they're always completely fine with it. Right. When they were on the boat to turn in Kenji, they were completely fine with it. And yeah. in one of those little points, they're just like, all right, well, these are the, these are the orders. Um, right. But now they finally see the person that is that driving force. And it's like, oh, my God, it reminded yeah. me so much of the scene in the first Ninja Turtles movie. And they find April O'Neil and they're like taking she's like on the couch and they're taking care of her. And Michael and just like, can we keep her? <laughs> I'm kind of thinking of uh, kind of like that. There's like a Metalocalypse episode where Nathan gets a girlfriend and he wants to like, you know, do couple stuff like have sex. But like the rest of the team just loves the girlfriend so much because she's a regular person and they don't have access to that. that They all just want to hang out with her all the time playing Scrabble and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we we see. So we see the boys pampering Becca and then we we go to see um kind of ryan being pampered by um by ashley in vaught tower Mm. and that's like you know i had forgotten because the last episode ended with a bunch of heads exploding that there was just a straight up child abduction that wasn't actually justified (laughs) by anyone other than homelander's id right there was another awful thing that happened and that's love- not vaught doesn't want that to happen either like they cut a deal with becca to keep homelander out like this is this is this is not a thing that any nobody wants this <laughs> right i love how <laughs> only homelander like, i love how ash is like picking out her hair over trying to find ways to entertain this child and initially i took that as like oh shit this kid's probably like you know some super dark damien kid or child or something like that that's like abusing her but no he's just like doing self-inflicted homework yeah i figured it was just her stress she's just always picking at that one particular spot on her head without thinking about it so she's got a bald spot now (laughs) i think that like homelander probably like scared the shit out of her when he brought her by the first time which is why she's so uh struck yeah that's probably super fair this is not a drama free task to do for homelander in any way yeah because if you mess up anything he's gonna be like well you messed up my kid you're dead zap yeah Mm -hmm. um so they decide to go on a field trip with Ryan, uh, Stormfront, Chuck e. and, and Homelander. Uh, 
Thoughts on the scene in the restaurant? Ryan has what I assume is a panic attack. He's simply never been around this many people before. Pretty he's much never he's never been around, been around any people. more than two people at any time. Right. And even that has been the you know, last couple weeks. I totally get this reaction he has where he just covers his ears and puts his head down and he just like curls up into a ball. Like definitely panic attack, some kind of anxiety uh, stricken thing here and like I get it like it's some, I not to that extreme but I feel like that sometimes too if there's too many people around it's like I need to remove myself from the situation as fast as possible at least for a little while yeah I need to go in the bathroom and watch TikTok for half an hour and then I can come back and socialize probably for a little bit yeah that's, that would be reasonable or like something if you're like at a building or whatever like I just need to get outside yeah. and have space I don't know if it's so much. I don't think it's like claustrophobia. It's not like the space of the area I'm in that gets me. But it's just when there's too many people, if it's too loud, yeah. too much going on. I just hate people. Like I mean, in that's general, a big part of it. And the general public as a whole. Well, people think I'm weird that like I don't like going to bars or things like that. And it's like, well, that's why. There have been times I've been in bars where there's literally no room to move around. It's like I have to get out of here. I now. do like going to bars because uh, I enjoy consuming copious amounts of alcohol very quickly because I then no longer care about how many people there are around. Oh, it's fair. Yeah. If there's enough alcohol in the system, That's then that, they get that worry goes away pretty quickly. Yeah. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm more on the, I just don't want to be around too many people. Like I like going to a bar where it's like sparsely populated and the other people there are all just drinking and very deliberately not looking at you. I'm like, that's the environment I want. And you can sit so okay. around Booth. other sad people yes. without interacting. That's, that's my jam. I but was like really hoping to stand up in a sweaty room for four hours, just fighting to get a drink. Right. Yeah. Can't do no, it. No, so, yeah. absolutely not. I think the last um, time I, I actually, um, I think that um, the coolest, the, the most interesting part of the scene is how Homelander takes it, which is that he is so used to being in the public eye that it doesn't even register to him that this would yep. be problematic. Mm. But in a later scene, he's like, yeah, when I was first, you know, I used to freak out when there were crowds. I kind of believe him because like he was raised in captivity. Mm -hmm. That would absolutely right. terrify the shit out of him the first time it happened. And he's just forgotten. This and then he, you see that turn of like. I am a, in with my adoring public. Oh, this child whom I have something a, resembling a familial affection for is like in, in distress. This is my priority. I need to protect this. This um, is probably going to paint me yeah. like an absolute awful human being. Oh, no. But I had a very real recognition with Homelander when he has that face when he first sees Ryan flipping out and just kind of gives them the like... Uh, you're fucking weak. Just fucking stop it. Just act like a person. <laughs> Fine, I'll get you out of here. Um, that I have as a father whenever my children are weak in public and I'm embarrassed by it. You know? <laughs> weak. But. How dare you show emotion? So Huey and Starlight have a, have a quick little moment in the car about how Huey's mom left when he was six, which is not their relationship in the comic, by the way. In the comic, like, Huey actually has really loving parents that are still together, but they repress the shit out of him and... Huh. That probably explains why he's such a cream puff um, hmm. and why he's like such he's got a real hair trigger kind of temper in that in those books as well. But here uh, his mom just leaves him, uh, him and his dad, whom we've seen Simon Pegg being kind of a kind of a pussy, I guess, is the yeah. best way to put it. <laughs> yep. But now they set yeah. it up so his mom can come back in a dramatic fashion because she's been gone oh, for I fucking 20 hope years. Not. Yeah, because she's a soup. I, I could see them doing something like that. Yeah. Or I, I think I'd be fine with them just not ever touching that potential plot thread and just leave it. Yes. 
Well, it, it does remark on on Huey's character, right? Because he's he's kind of the one who sticks it out the longest when things get rough. Like Butcher already tried to up and quit. I think Starlight has tried to up and quit before. And he's kind of like the he's the stable, you know, stick by people, even when they're having a really rough go of it, even when it seems like they can't go any farther, even when it, it seems like they're actively against you because he doesn't want to be like his mom was. Uh, and give up on his family. Yeah. Yeah. He gets a lot of shit for being like the, the skinny dude, but he puts up with a lot of shit too. And he holds things together and he comes up with plans. Like he's not useless by any means. No. Even though a lot of people mm-hmm. try to say he is. Right. I also like it, how it recontextualizes that very first episode when he and uh, his dad are talking about Robin's death and the dad is just like, what you gonna do like he accepts just all the shittiness in the world and he can't there's no backbone to him his dad's Um, eeyore (laughs) it's 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 frustrating because like his dad's not a bad person he just has no spine and that's like it really helps connect the dots of huey's upbringing and those the kind of first bits of the series like i think they knew this from the beginning and just weren't commenting upon it until now Mm -hmm. and that's really cool yeah so A Train pops up in the back of the car, just saying like, "Hey, shit birds!" <laughs> so great. I rewind it because I was like, "Do we actually see him get in the car?" Like, no, just you hear that little like mini sonic boom he has all the time. Just boom. That's he's a there. great sound uh, effect. Yeah, it is. Can, like that's a sincere. Like you know that's A Train from the sound effect. Now it is so good at like introducing his character. Mm. So it scares it's the like shit out of them. <laughs> It scares the shit out of them. They pull over. They start. They assume that A-Train's there to just fucking murk him. Um, <laughs> and he's not. He's there to give him a, a fucking stacked file uh, against Stormfront uh, whoop, whoop. from the collective. Because uh, as we saw in the scene earlier, um, Edgar and Alistair talked about how Stormfront, you know, had been uh, a pretty dominant member of the group and now is uh, very anti-collective. Um, this is really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, be- because we know to what lengths Vought is willing to go to um, get dirt on or to 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 hush up people whom talked out about Liberty back in her heyday. Like, yeah. we met with that one woman who's like, Liberty totally killed my brother and Vought paid me like $4,000 or something to never talk about it again. Yeah. Like, Vought goes out of their way to hide this shit. But the one place that Vought can't is from somebody else in the business where they have like a mutually assured destruction compact. Like the Church of the Collective can exist because it has Vought secrets. Mm. Yes. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't be allowed to exist, you know? The, the only thing I wasn't super stoked on for the scene is that the only thing A-Train cares about at all is getting back in the seven. Like, yeah, it seems a little too deep, especially after they've completely dismissed him. I, I guess I don't see. I think a train smarter than to know that if he gets back in that same process will just probably happen again at a later point because Vaught is shitty and does not care about its people in any way, shape or form. It's a little frustrating just because it's the same exact character story that we've had with the deep the entire season. Yeah. Yep. So like and and going back into last season as well. So it's like, why do we have two characters out of the, the seven? Why do we have two characters with the same story here? Right. Right. Um, I also felt like uh, A-Train, a lot of his character was getting fleshed out with um, uh, the stuff with, uh, you know, in the first season, how 
he caused the death of Popclaw. He killed her. And he was in love with her from, you know, my limited vantage point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the end of the season, he admits to Huey, like, he knows that he did it. Like, he is suffering under a good amount of grief, self-inflicted and worthy grief, but grief nonetheless. I I thought that he was going to go to more interesting places than, fuck them, they, they decided I couldn't get back into the seven. Like, I thought he was... I was hoping that there would be a little more to him by this point. I just had a very um, retroactive two plus two being put together bit as I've been reading the comics. Um, Cause in the comics, they, they lean very heavily into a train having kind of just moved up from teenage kicks. Yes. Um, and Popclaw was in teenage kicks. And that was probably alluded to in the, um, in the first season that they knew each other from a previous team or something, but that I'm just not, connected. Yes. That sounds <laughs> but, familiar. Yeah. Um, what do we think about the dark deal butcher makes with Edgar? Um, awesome. As, as far as I was concerned, this is probably the tamest way, uh, I was expecting butcher to be able to get Ryan out of the picture. Mm. I think it's awesome. Like the, the idea that Edgar and butcher know each other and like all it takes is for one of them to mention the other one's name. And like Edgar's like, Oh yeah, put him through. And also yeah. set up a bunch of snipers like <laughs> there's there's mythology about this person who has fucked with you from the start. And I don't think they've ever actually met, but like through back channels and information that we don't see, he knows exactly who Butcher is. He knows exactly what motivates him. He knows exactly like, yeah, I this is worth my time. I mean, Stan Edgar doesn't let things exist if they don't serve some purpose for him and for he is yes. And as someone who is also very into having a bunch of contingency plans to make sure that people like Homelander stay in fucking line. Um, I certainly see Stan Edgar appreciating is probably the wrong word, but um, certainly liking that pawn being on the board should he need to make use of it. So, yeah, this is also um, from the comics, you know, as I've stated before, Black Noir is Vought's contingency plan to take down Homelander. Now we're seeing that being set up yep. uh, in, in the show is they they want a contingency to be able to take down Homelander if the need arises. And I, I, I love that they're they're fucking with the, you know, the timeline a little bit. Um, you know, they're they're fucking with the elements of it. But the core of Vought needs a contingency is still totally there. Mm-hmm. Um, I For also sure. think that Edgar, you know, he he follows plans. He follows rules. Homelander doesn't follow plans and rules, and Butcher certainly doesn't follow plans and rules. So the idea of pitting them against each other is probably pretty attractive to him. Yeah. Yep. I, and I just I love the actor that plays him. He plays uh, corporate mastermind so fucking good. Uh, it's I, chilling. I, I hope mm. that he sticks around for a while. He he is faceless corporate identity. Like mm-hmm. he he could be anyone. Like, there is no personality quirk to him other than I serve Vought's shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and that's and that's, that's, that's haunting and terrifying. Like, this is an alien, effectively. You cannot empathize with this. So what do we think about the the, the immediate follow-up to that scene of, of Homelander kind of learning how to be a dad to, to Ryan and then bonding a little bit over it? You I like the crying. Uh, I like the idea, like, that... Um, I like the idea that uh, Homelander talks to him about like when I, I yeah, it's it's OK to cry when you're a child, not when you're like a full grown man that <laughs> right? you have to toughen up, rub some dirt in it, you know, 
I'm glad he included uh, that because that's a really important distinction to make because, you know, men can't have emotions. Correct. So we we can't cry. We're not physically able. No, I like this a lot. It's hard to tell with Homelander because he is a good actor. Like Homelander is supposed to be. We saw like at the translucent um, funeral (laughs) and and things like that. He does seem (laughs) to be able to act well. So like. Does he genuinely care for Ryan? I I think he does. I don't think he was acting here. You know, the fact that it's something like it's his son, something that he created mm-hmm. or had part in he creating. He at least I believes that he should. Right. At the at the very least, he's like, this is a son of me. I should <laughs> care about this. So I'm that going is, to try. At I'm least try to relate, but also reinstill that men are strong and he needs to be strong. Right. He's still yeah, going to you, have you're those supposed outdated. to be Homelander. Yeah, thing. yeah. You, you are being Homelander, weak means I'm weak. Homelander Jr. It's kind, of, it's kind of like um, you know, like a, a toxic masculinity golem masquerading as a father, telling their son that you're not allowed to be gay because that makes me gay because I created you, kind of stuff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, just like projecting crazy shit on your child because oh. you don't want to grapple with it. Yeah. Um. The boys get to work planning a raid. Uh, to get Ryan Becca makes butcher promise and I really like how she sticks to it and is super specific she knows how she to knows do butcher. butcher yes <laughs> yeah you need to get him back to me safely <laughs> he needs to be back with me and me and him need to both be together <laughs> in a safe way God damn Not it, she's separate. got it in black and white. She, it, that's airtight. <laughs> right. There's no loopholes like, well, there. He's safe from Homelander now. I shot him in the head. What? Right. I don't understand the problem. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, Becca, I like what they've done with her. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking that they've done a good job because I feel like she's been around longer. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, we didn't even know she was still alive. It's been like three episodes. Until the end of season one. Like, we saw her in one flashback in season one. Mm-hmm. We just heard enough about her from Butcher. And they've done a good job with their character that we care about her at this point. Like she's mm-hmm. a pretty well fleshed out character. Yeah. I mean, she's not, she's a little one note where like I am Ryan's mom. Yeah. But yeah, I think she's got enough other thing. We, like her relationship with butcher and things like that, that it's very rubber bandy. Like they, they, they give her a bunch of like cool scenes and then they snap back to I'm Ryan's mother. I need to protect her. He needs to be yeah. with me at all times. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little cool, bit. whatever, but. I do like um, that it, it it does say a lot that she immediately looks for Butcher when uh, when shit goes bad because yeah. she do, like I think that they do enough to even though that's her modus operandi is to protect Ryan that there is enough to her character where she can do other things like go to Butcher and like make him promise on the soul of his his dead brother um, and like have a <laughs> semi romantic kiss and like this idea that maybe things can still be fixed between them. That couldn't happen if the only thing to her was mom protection. Do we think Butcher has any real intentions of actually sticking to this promise that he's made? He's well, got he's got Becca back. He's he's won. He's got it. He just so, needs to seal it and he's done. It's so great because he's he's promising, swearing up and down to conflicting ideas. He's got yes. the one deal with Edgar and now he's making this promise on the soul of his dead brother to Becca that are complete opposites. Mm-hmm. So it's my thought was at this point, he's going to stick to whatever's more convenient at the time. Like yeah. what's what's going to save his ass the most? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's it's really tricky because he's it, he has been pitted between Becca and fuck with Homelander enough times that we know he chooses Becca. But now we're being he's 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 forced into a choice between Becca 
and Becca. <laughs> so <laughs> this is really kind of this is the climax that we're waiting for is yeah is he going to respect becca's wishes or is he going to you know go against those wishes in an effort to get back with her and it really does depend on whether it's comic butcher or tv show butcher because Mm. comic butcher in the final episode like basically says i know this isn't what becca would want but i have too much hatred to do anything else so if it comes out like that i think that ryan's up Shit's creek uh but he he he's a bit more human in the in the tv series so i i honestly saw it going either way at this point yeah same absolutely right um homelander and stormfront try to get ryan to develop his powers a little bit to laser down a fucking deep action figure um and there's of course it's the deep that's so good a kind of little of a frustrating scene where homelander's like just use your hate just think of someone you hate and then you can do it and he's like i've never hated anyone before i don't know what that is i only Um, know four people dude yeah my mom our neighbors and then you two and uh no, I don't know. <laughs> and the Legos that I that I redid the blind side with. Can I uh I wanna <laughs> I like the idea that they were setting up the target and like Stormfront is like, how about A Train? And then Homelander's like, <laughs> No, it's gotta be the deep. And then Stormfront's like, Yeah, no, it is it does have to be the deep. <laughs> like, even though I'm a racist piece of shit, the deep is definitely lower on the totem pole <laughs> than any <laughs> black person. He's just the worst. Um Stormfront propagate some like reverse racism uh white genocide shit to him too to in case we didn't get it yet yeah to try to be like oh well there's people out there that want to kill white people ryan so that's why you need to learn how to hate because we can't fight hate unless we have hate in our hearts Um, that makes sense i mean it it does um but uh, but at this point her phone just starts fucking blowing up with notifications uh, most likely because the information that the boys got uh is leaking and the, the, the yeah the, the 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 information that they got that uh they leaked was that she used to be a huge nazi she's a hundred uh, year old nazi yeah she's a hundred year old nazi so her talking about fucking white genocide and all that bullshit immediately followed up with her getting karmically stricken from you know from like from the heights that she has been like it, it's it's directly related right like yes. there's there's a reason that they put that right in front of this is what it leads to um Frenchie and Kamiko are setting up a sonic bomb using the um I think it was the Va R something other the uh, the It's Vaught merch. Yeah, it was Vaught merch always. Vaught runs the world. And he has a stack of these things. They look like uh like Beats pills or whatever. And the X-ray t- told us that it was shooting out sound at 19,000 decibels. Or rain oh, or something nice. like that. Hertz, probably. Yeah, because oh, yeah. we wouldn't really be able to hear it all that much, but people with superhuman hearing would be fucking trucked by it. I think um, it's just at the range of human hearing is like 2,000 to 20,000 hertz. Yeah, something yep, around that. That is exactly it, I believe. Um, so they're sending that up. They see Stormfront blow past uh, overhead uh, on her way to Vaught where news is breaking about her being a Nazi fuck and um, <laughs> being Frederick Vaught's wife. Uh, and there is like an immediate international outcry against her. Um, they must have blasted that out to all over the place, news stations. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they had I think they had they showed them like setting up memes and things to go out like they did the whole social media bombard. They even did like a well, like a jib jab, like oh, um, yeah, this song. 
song with uh, flash animation. Oh. That was, oh, that's that was right. so cringy. So uh, super important fact that uh, at the end of 2020, um, Flash will will be gone from the internet. Um, and obviously, we know very specifically that this story takes place before the end of 2020 uh, because they still have Flash animations. That's good. That's good time um, stamping. Yeah. So I think also like the first episode of the season, they timestamped it as being 2020. Yeah. So also all of the Trumpy shit all over the place with Stormfront. It's clearly 2020. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I do like that, you know, that Nazis are so clearly a step too far, even for the racists. Mm-hmm. Like they they recognize at least, well, we at least have to say that Nazis are bad. Like, we can't go all the way back to Nazis. Everything but the name Nazi is fair game. But as soon as Nazi is in the equation, no dice. I don't think she says it till later, but this is the perfect point to bring it up where Stormfront has that line about how people agree with her. People like what she's saying and they believe in it. They just don't like the term Nazi. It's so Which is why she had true. to change her brand from the 50s, right? Right. So she has so, learned that it's just the word that's a problem, not the ideology. Yeah. Yep, it's just what you call it. I hate that line so much because it's like it's awful. she's right. It's unfortunately like, it's way Ugh. too close. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the boys set off the sonic bomb. Ryan and Homelander are holding their ears in pain. Homelander flies off to try to stop this sonic bomb while Butcher and Becca stroll right up to the cabin and get Ryan out. Um there's this <sighs> It was a little forced, but a little touching where when Becca goes in to get him and Butcher's standing there at the door, like keeping a lookout where Ryan asks who that man is. And Becca looks back at him and says, well, that's my husband. And he gets this. I watched it like twice to see if there was like tears in his eyes or anything. But he certainly Carl, not Keith Urban, but Carl Urban. Hey, got it. A great actor. Um, yep. even when most of his acting is oi cunt um, <laughs> yeah. Voight, show, Voight's though. antagonist yes yeah. he's um, so good apparently Butcher squelched on the deal he's made with Edgar and had, with Edgar and has had a change of heart he convinces Becca to leave um, with Ryan because Butcher can't be trusted not even by himself and we cut to is that what he said I thought he was saying like go to go to the CIA together because that was the deal I had no, I, I think very specifically he's getting MM to drive because Butcher will turn them in at some point. He's making the correct decision now, but he most likely will not continue to make that decision. And right, because he he's saying take to them it. to Mallory, not mm-hmm. Edgar. Yes. Right. So he did decide to go with his promise to Becca over Edgar because he feels like, I assume it was because he feels like he can deal with the fallout of that easier. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, physically by fighting for his life or whatever, or emotionally he didn't want to, he wanted. He actually kept the promise to Becca. Yeah, it's a it's a minor point, but like the fact that he trusts Mallory over himself is really, really pretty cool. Like he doesn't trust anyone. Butcher is he uses people to achieve his ends. Um, but throughout this season, we've seen just how tight the two of them really are. Even though there's like beef and like history there, that's difficult. But like he he trusts Mallory will do the right thing by him. Well, and very specifically because of of Mallory's backstory, if there is someone who is not going to fuck up ruining a family that you've mm-hmm. fought to avenge and and defend, um, 
it's probably going to be her. I, I can certainly see him trusting her specifically in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut back to the cabin. Butcher apparently has left the phone. Um, <laughs> so he used that as to his advantage. Yep. Love it. The concept um, bot. <laughs> <laughs> so in the context. So that's so good <laughs> um alerting alerting vaught to come pick up ryan uh, except ryan's no longer there and uh as this like little vaught swat team storms the place and is calling out for ryan uh one of them asks the other one uh well where's butcher butcher are you here as homelander walks back in woof and like um, turns and closes the door <laughs> like so slowly one and half <laughs> yes and and you know that literally none of these people are are getting out of here in any oh, way, yeah. shape or form no they're like, done i mean i felt bad for those guys because they're just trying to do their job and now they're just going to get home they're just following vaught's orders really yeah 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 and there's nothing wrong with just following orders <laughs> thank you <laughs> maybe i didn't make it clear enough i'm sorry <laughs> um so as mm pulls away with becca and ryan my stomach fucking dropped <gasps> I was so sad as Stormfront descends from the sky into the road and just evil Jedi lightnings this fucking car off the road, spinning top over, uh, over tail. Did anybody count how many times it flipped? I was three or four at least. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, I was wondering (laughs) what would be worse. No, MM. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we want, we love MM more than. Becca or Ryan, they can both take a pass, but like MM's got to survive. Hundred percent. I was kind of wondering yeah. while it was flipping through the air, like, oh, are they going to have Becca die in the crash or Ryan? Because like he he doesn't have fully developed powers. I don't know if he's um you know invulnerable yet. He right. clearly didn't like being thrown off a roof. Maybe he doesn't survive <laughs> the car crash. What does that do to to the story? But thankfully, they both survive it. Um, and a fucking amazing fight breaks out here. Yeah, Starlight. Yeah, go. And com- yeah, Starlight and Kamiko attack Stormfront. Stormfront fucking snaps Kamiko's neck. Oh. Frenchie and Huey run to the car, screaming about, oh, our only chance oh are our God. secret weapons inside the car. Why'd you leave it in the car? And why'd you fucking yell it out as you're running to it? <laughs> yeah, they have um, superhero. So you just exploded explosion. that. Yeah. So, I mean, they got to take away the cell phones, you know what I mean? Number one, so. Yes. It's that whole deal. So Stormfront, you know. Palpatine's the car and it blows up with all Frenchie's fucking rad ass super weapons. Um, then fucking Maeve comes in. Uh, uh, Kamiko unsnaps her own fucking neck on the ground. Right, I was like, oh, how did we not guess Kamiko was gonna die? And then she, oh, I, I guess she un. She has healing herself. factor from uh, way yeah. earlier. Yeah, wait, I forgot uh, about it. It hasn't happened in a long time because she just rips off everyone's faces. They don't get a chance to hurt her but we knew she had regenerative powers but i didn't think she could come back from her neck being snapped around right holy um, shit and the three superheroes do exactly what they fucking should have done in marvel endgame and just pub stomp the shit out of this fucking nazi um <laughs> yes it is so satisfying. so satisfying um and stormfront <laughs> takes the 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 first chance she gets to just fucking take off and get out of there while they're just running her beating the shit out of her in my head i heard the music from Shaun of the dead yes! when they're spinning yes. around that first zombie just clubbing it because they don't know what to do and it was just that was the scene to me and it was so great it was like i could just i think i messaged you guys as i was watching this i could just watch people punching this nazi for like if this was the rest of the episode yeah. i'd be pretty happy with that yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> but um, they don't go I... far enough because she gets away yeah I, I've got a couple things to say about this sequence because, uh, first of all, 
in the comics, uh, this is exactly what happens to Stormfront in the com- comics. He is built up as like megalomaniacal. He's he's got a huge superiority complex related to his Nazism, and what happens to him is so unglamorous. Like they just kick the shit out of him. They come in and just like give him a back alley coshing, stomping on his face, everything like that. He doesn't get out alive from that. It is so unglamorous, and I think that that is a point. Is that all the Vought movies, Brave Maeve, going through the rubble, making speeches, all of that's like very like high drama stuff. This is what actually happens for superheroes and supervillains and, and regular stuff is they just like beat the shit out of each other. It's not glamorous. No one like, I mean, I want to watch it, but like, you know, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a family friendly version of like the, a high stakes dramatic confrontation. Like it right. just happens like this. Um, so I, I thought that that was cool. It's like directly in conflict of Vought ideology and maybe also Stormfront ideology. Mm. But also the twist on it is that the boys are not the one kicking the shit out of it. It's the girls who are like we've seen throughout the entire series so far that the guy that the boys, you know, the actual boys in the boys, Huey, Frenchie, M.M. and Butcher. I mean, Butcher is kind of a, a powerhouse, but the rest of them they're really more skill based like they're not frontline fighter people and mm-hmm. having all the girls come in and be the ones who are doing this is is really satisfying especially considering how the uh the the source material is a bit sexist Frenchie even says the line from the yeah the the advertising stuff and he's like oh girls do get it done did he watch those movies what was going on there I mean, it's probably been heavily advertised. I would assume that's, I'm sure it's been, it point. was everywhere when Stormfront joined the team. That was yeah. like their big tagline for a while. But to yeah. defeat your enemy, uh, you have to know your enemy. So, yes, I watch all the movies. Yes, <laughs> I I was a little frustrated that while they're doing this, Butcher gets everybody out of the car and they're all totally fine. Well, they have their seatbelts on, Dan. Right, but just like Seat nobody even has like a cut or like blood on their face would have been okay. And, and like somebody something. like a broken leg arm, at the very like their least. arm broke or something like that. But like they're all totally fine getting out of the car. And it's just like, oh, I'm glad they all have such good plot armor. Yeah, well, I agree that 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 strains credibility a little bit. You got to remember that Stormfront's powers are electrical. So when she electrocutes the car to throw it, they are all statically clung to their chairs. <laughs> so it's actually yeah. one of the safest, safest things you could have done. At least make somebody yeah. limp. You know, yeah, like, oh, my leg hurts, but something. Oh, but my all, yeah, 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 there was yeah. nothing. They're all perfectly fine. Yeah. There's a little like, what was my the point of flipping the car bunch then? Um, um, do you remember a couple episodes ago when I was like, I really hope that Stormfront and Starlight get a bat like an electricity battle. I'm mm-hmm. so happy that that's not how this went down. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy that it is just just curb stomping the shit out of her while she's on the ground. That's <laughs> very got a couple blasts in, but it was so much more punching. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it Which didn't is so work much until they just had her on the ground and were kicking the shit out of her. Um, Homelander leaves the cabin drenched in gore, and we shoot over to Stormfront catching up to Butcher, Becca, and Ryan. Uh, she flings Butcher to the side and tries to kind of appeal to Ryan while looking like she just had the shit kicked out of her because she did. Um, and... Becca stabs her in the fucking eye with a knife. So great. Which is, that's what happens to her in the comics, I believe, right? I think Stormfront takes, I think, I think somebody plucks an eyeball out. I don't remember who it is. I Maybe think Kamiko does. MM? I don't remember who it is, but he gets one eye plucked out and then glass thrown in the other eye. And he goes like, <laughs> nine, I cannot be blind because again, superiority, <laughs> Nazi. <laughs> 
he's you know ableist and shit so so yeah it is a nod to the comics uh, so stormfront starts to choke the shit out of her as um starlight as as stormfront is about to kill becca uh, just these whoever wrote these notes and also can't read which is me uh needs needs to do a better job but as stormfront's about to kill becca uh ryan fucking lasers her and everything goes white we get a scene similar to after the boat flew through that fucking whale where we have that like coming to realization after a big uh, concussion happens yeah um, classic flashbang yes and uh ryan is crying and becca is bleeding out from the neck from the neck uh Butcher runs over and she continually tells Butcher, Ryan, make sure Ryan knows this is not his fault. This is not his fault. He did not kill me. Um, and Butcher sets his eyes on Ryan. We also see Stormfront um, fucked up real bad. She's doing her best Darth Vader impression. She is. No, top notch. No legs, no arms, no hair, just R- Ryan has the high ground. I mean, that's, you know, that's rule number one. There have been so many fucking high ground memes on uh, there? about Stormfront. They've oh, been I haven't seen those. Oh, damn. I felt all original, Tim. You could have just let it. I'm sorry. It's okay. Jeez. Way to bring um, a man I'm, down. I like most of this scene because it's the whole, you know, picture someone you hate. He clearly hates Stormfront. But hatred isn't enough to keep, you know, to actually save the people you love because also Becca gets caught up in the blast. So I I think that it's a good, like, plot metaphor for the dangers of relying on hate is that there's a lot of collateral damage when you rely on that as your power source. We get some... I just don't like it when Butcher comes to and Becca is still alive. Like, I think that I don't see a purpose to her giving her dying words telling butcher stuff that we already know just so that we can have like a you know end of dramatic you know movie kind of die in your arms kind of scene i think those are really overplayed in media and it isn't very realistic she got what lasered but only in the neck area and enough not to immediately decapitate her stormfront is fucking vaporized like i think it would have been (laughs) i think it would have been better if we, if he woke up, Becca was dead, Ryan is crying, and he goes for the crowbar. Well, yeah. I, I do love that, at least after that, that little scene where he where she tells him that, the fucking look on Carl Urban's face oh when he God. turns around at his bright fucking red, both eyes are just pools, uh, and you know he's, he's going to fucking well. murder that kid. He's going to try to, at least. Yeah. Um, and he picks up that crowbar and heads over to Ryan um, until Homelander interrupts. Meanwhile, can, can he I just s- completely ignores Stormfront on the ground. He doesn't give a shit about her no, anymore. Not at all. Can I say uh, also it it is worth noting that um, Ryan lasering Stormfront and doing more damage than Homefront Homelander uh, lasering <laughs> Stormfront earlier on. Your turn. Is 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 Ryan potentially more powerful than Homelander, or did Homelander just use like the easy bake settings? I just Ryan figured he about used the too. easy bake setting. One hundred percent. I wonder okay. if he can like. The lasers so far, they've seemed like they're, they're on or off. No, like, because during that scene, when she tells him to laser his tits, like he goes super soft at first. And she says, no, fucking laser my tits. Well, fucking like, being thought, a pussy. See, I read that as like he stopped and she was like, no, keep going. Mm. As I, I can't think of a time we've seen it where his lasers have been stronger or weaker. I think it's just on or off with this. 
to me shows that Ryan is significant. His lasers, at least, are significantly more powerful. Or they might just work differently than Homelanders. They might not just be those beams. Because like for him to have cut off Stormfront's arms and legs and only nicked Becca in the neck, yeah, like he would have um, had to sweep around in like this weird U shape or whatever. Which was a little frustrating that the burns didn't seem to line up with where everybody was standing, but I it, it definitely seemed to me that he is more powerful. Maybe Stormfront's I think Becca core as a charred torso makes much more sense in this scene. Yeah, same, one hundred percent. What makes sense? Uh, Becca as a charred corpse, because yes. the things that Becca says to him are things that he already knows. Yeah. Sorry, I, I I'm sorry to deliberate that point. It just bothered me so much. I hate seeing these scenes in media where just like I'll always remember you. <sighs> I, uh, I had just that, that smile was I had just scanned ahead and saw where I had once again replaced uh, the word Stormfront with Starlight or vice versa. And Dan had corrected <laughs> it for me. <laughs> that just say Lamplighter. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so. Oh, yeah. So Homelander sees the destruction that's that's fallen Stormfront, who is pretty much just a delirious German speaking torso now. And he tells Ryan to come. Uh, well, he, he's like Ryan in, uh, in a super fatherly tone. Ryan, did you do this? And yeah. we can't really tell if he's proud or mad or both, but I'm certain it's a mix. He's he's obviously not super thrilled that uh, his uh, BFF Jill is, you know, now limbless. But, he, he had a couple uh, outs to still having human connections after Madeline, one of them was this kid. Stormfront entered the equation. Now Stormfront's out of the equation. So I think his proto emotional brain just whips back to, oh, this is the only person that can fulfill me in a meaningfully like emotional way. I will now prioritize them instead. Yeah. Uh, Ryan ends up hiding behind Butcher for some fucking reason. And Homelander yeah, kind of <laughs> feels undermotivated, but fine. Yeah. And Homelander mocks Butcher for protecting the child that just killed his wife. Um, if Homelander didn't interrupt this, do you think Butcher would have at least tried to crowbar the shit out of this kid? Yes, 100 <laughs> percent. I think so. Yeah. He killed the thing that he's been that his life has been dedicated to for however long. Yeah. And he's a soup. He's Homelander's kid. He's not Butcher's kid. Butcher doesn't give a shit about him now because Becca's gone. That was the only connection he had to Ryan. Like he showed before that he doesn't care about Ryan at all. Right. Yeah. Because why would he? He's yep. the product of the rape of his wife by another man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, and I can yeah, kind of Homelander understand where he's coming presented from. Him a but... juicier target for yes. the occasion. Yeah. For, for, he again, he does need an outlet for this violent rage. Like that's definitely his character here. Stormfront's not around. Becca certainly wouldn't deserve it, even if she was alive kids right there like you know delivered on a platter like an all-you-can-kill buffet and then homelander just shows up and he's like oh that's a much better target i could just yeah you know be mad at that guy instead well you can be mad at the cause and the effect which he is but he was going to kill the effect but now the cause is here too Mm. um so mave comes in to interrupt and tells homelander that she's going to let uh, the info out of him fucking threatening to laser everybody on the plane and letting them all die um, to the media if he doesn't let them go and stop pursuing them. Um, I thought this was fucking stupid. I, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that Homelander was just going to kill Maeve, kill Butcher, and and go off with Ryan. 
Um, I certainly understand that for the plot of the show, it doesn't make sense, but yeah, it's just, they I was, tried really yeah. hard to justify this choice because it doesn't make a lot of sense. The whole, he's thinking about it. And then like in the background, you hear him, you know, reimagining people sh- chanting homelander homelander yeah. and it's like i okay so they, they've definitely built this up throughout the whole series that his fame is most important to him more even more than ryan it probably was, though like i just feel like they've given him so much narrative that like he no longer needs that he's stronger than that now he doesn't want that life and he all he cares about is ryan and or stormfront but as long as he has one of them i don't know it's just I, yeah, I, maybe it, if you kind of frame it, was, it as like a he is mid transformation into a uh, sociopath who cannot, you know, who who does no, like we were back in, um, you know, back with Doppeldonger, you know, getting getting the royal treatment from Homelander. Uh, it, we, we, we found out that like Stormfront said, you know, you don't need people to love you. That's what weak people like. Um, but you know, Stormfront has been saying all this stuff like we don't need um, we don't need the Vought, you know, spotlight. We don't need all this media bullshit. Uh, and we saw Homelander being kind of uncomfortable with that. I think he's torn between where can I get the acceptance and love that I crave? Is it in these min- minor, you know, personal human connections or is it the adoration of the public? I don't think mm. up to this point he has made up his mind like that hasn't been a clear, you know, checked box for me uh, up, up until then. I'm not crazy about how they like we need Maeve to do something. I guess this <laughs> right. works. Uh, yeah. well, she was but like, I think that date. it's justifiable if you view it through like Homelander is not a he has not completed his transition into megalomaniacal like turd waffle, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the thing you just touched on either of the uh, last three times we've seen Maeve. It's just been like and then Maeve saves Starlight. And then Maeve saves the group fighting Stormfront. And then Maeve saves, and she's just used as a segue. Like, they back themselves into a situation that they can't get out of. And then, oh, just fucking throw Maeve at it. Right. You can't have the same person be the deus ex machina that many times in a row without it feeling completely forced and unrealistic. And then at the end of each one of those times being like, no, I'm not going to go against Vought because I I don't like the world anymore because I've lost hope. But. But I'm going to do it again. But then she betrays. Black Noir, and then she betrays Homefront, and then, or Homelander. God damn it. Um, it's close enough at this point. Yeah. Homefront, which one do you mean? But uh, I, I think that Maeve being used that many times is is not great, but I do think that Homelander's motivations make sense. He is caught between trying to figure out which of these things can fulfill him, either Ryan or the adoration of the public, and he has to choose. And I think he, he doesn't necessarily choose so much as keeps his options open. Like, he doesn't yeah. want, he doesn't want to give anything up. Like, he shouldn't have to feel that kind of pain. And you see him crying. Like, he is being made back into his childhood persona. Like, like everything else that motivates Homelander, it is yeah. a toddler's tantrum. And a toddler is terrified of things being taken away from him. Adoration of the public is something that he is much more familiar with than Ryan. I think that he was just, like, more scared of losing that. Okay, yeah. I, all right. Um, I do want to say real quick with the whole we were just complaining about Maeve stepping in so much. I do mm-hmm. like how that sets up her a lot of tension with her in season three, because yeah. like yeah. if Black Noir comes back around, he's got dirt on her. If uh, pretty much puts her in the storm, 
What? <laughs> puts her in pretty much the starlight role at the beginning of the season. Yeah. She had some major portrayals at the end of last season, and some people know, but maybe right. it'll come out publicly. Like is Stormfront going to come out of her German-speaking delirium and speak out against what Maeve did? Is Homelander going to find a way to use that information against her yeah. with the plane? Because like it'll hurt her reputation just as much as his. I like, I like her that character. setup. I like her character. I don't like how she's being used. So yes. I'm ho- I'm hopeful that they'll they'll turn that around into something cooler because I don't think her character is bad at all at this point. Agreed. Yep. So the superhero of spin himself, Stan Edgar, places the blame <laughs> of the attack on Washington um, on Stormfront. Uh, welcome Starlight in her old non-sexualized costume, by the way, which is great. Very nice. Uh, back to the seven and pulls back the release of Compound V. Uh, everything's fucking coming up Edgar here. <laughs> He's the best yeah, at great. it. Uh, Homelander finishes uh, the press bit saying Stormfront is being held in an undisclosed location, but is still presumably alive um, with, you know, robot legs or whatever. I did just read something. Um, and I forgot the name. One of the, the high up people on the show, the, the creator, Eric Kripke, is that his name? Yeah. Um, he said in an interview that Stormfront is still alive. Definitely. Good. So I, I like that. Don't know oh, if she'll I be used it. anymore in the future, but she is alive. He was she was not killed by Ryan. OK, eh. um, I, the, I wouldn't mind her just like being alive, but barely. I don't think I want her to be an active force anymore. I think we've done enough with Nazi. I don't I kind of I kind of yeah. like her in an upper Palpatine role, like in a fucking medical bed, slowly trying to control things from behind the scenes or something. Um, yeah, we'll see. But. Uh, maybe I don't like that either. That also sounds super stupid. Never mind. <laughs> as soon as you say it like that, I don't like that. Yeah. I, I do like the less sexualized costume. That feels significant because for the entirety of the season, even when she's had misgivings about Vought, she's stayed in her sexy costume because she mm-hmm. was trying to play the game. I think that maybe part of it is like talking to Huey and recognizing that he kind of sticks to his guns, sticks with people. I think she's trying not to give up on herself. Like she's trying not to abandon that uh, idea that she has of herself like I want to actually be a hero I want to actually do good things and I think that the image the costume kind of goes along with that is is an indication of how much of herself she's willing to give up to Vought um, and I yes. like that she's being she kind of pulled back from that mm-hmm. I, I completely agree I think it shows that she has more power now too that she could but before it was like no you're wearing this costume you don't have a choice and she was like uh, okay and now she's like I assume it was kind of like, well, I'm, I'll am i come back, but I'm not going to be your version of Starlight. I'm going to be my version of Starlight and we're going to use my costume. And they were like, OK, um, the press conference cuts away to Alistair, Deep and A-Train. Um, Deep gets fucked over here a yeah, little bit, he naturally, um, by A-Train, who, you know, they, they have had a history of the Deep not necessarily being respected by A-Train. A-Train's back in the seven. Black is uh, beautiful Storm- again. It with Stormfront, with Stormfront gone, there's nothing preventing him from, from getting back in, and uh, the the quote that Dan brought up before of Alistair saying, "Well, bring back one's redemption, two shows weakness." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the deep flips fucking shit as he should, and uh, he apparently has signed over all of his belongings to the church. I signed um, over my bank account, and. I mean, the impression that I get from Alistar is uh, that he's being excommunicated just like Eagle the Archer was. Yes. 
Um, I wasn't sure 100%. how far that went. If it was like, no, we're not done with you. We can still work on something in the future. Or if it was like, no, you're done. You failed. You're out. As soon as he, he says the things he says, and you know, especially fuck Fresca, the way that Alistair uh, responds to that is in kind of like that. Well, that was very disrespectful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're really I, acting me, that, out right now. Yeah. To me, that just bled. Oh, you're fucked. You don't talk about the church that way ever. You don't talk yeah. about Fresca yeah. that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't talk um, about Fresca. I was a little disappointed we didn't get any kind of closure on Fresca other than it seems like just Alistair fucking loves it. Yeah. I, when I he was, was talking with Edgar, Edgar was like, no, that stuff's awful. And Alistair <laughs> was like, oh. I, I was a little disappointed that the deep is just still in no man's land by the end of this. We spent an yeah. awful lot of time on the deep, and it seems like his only purpose was to set up a foil for what A-Train went through with Alistair. And yeah, that is kind of weak. My hope is that the deep goes back to Eagle and the deep brings in maybe another super group like Payback. Like Ooh, the Blarney That'd Cock. be cool. Yeah. Starting <laughs> up the Revengeancers or something. Um, but yeah. So we get a little bit of closure on Starlight's arc here. Um, if, you jump ship and let assholes steer. You're part of the problem is the quote she used, which actually is pretty good. I like it. Um, Huey and Starlight are going to couple up and, you know, fucking make out and touch each other's dicks or whatever. But why not? Uh, you know, Huey I, they is, earned uh, it. They earned it. Like yeah, they went through fair. a lot of shit. Huey has been, uh, a, you know, he's he's been a cream puff, but he's also been kind of a solid bro. He's been through all of it. Like, I, I'm happy that they ended up uh, reconciling all the difficulty they went through from the beginning of this season. I think they've gotten to a, a place that I can respect. Yeah, they work well as a couple and everything. Like yeah. they have good chemistry, the they, actors and, and they whatnot. don't because one has the taste buds of a child and the other one has the taste buds of an adult. Oh my God. But yeah, but she has, uh, she has electricity powers though. Oh yeah, that's fair. Um, so Huey gives this kind of monologue during that thing about how he's going to stand on his own two feet. And it sounds like he's going to leave butcher. We shoot right over to Butcher, uh, who's sitting with Ryan on a riverbank. Um, he gives Ryan uh, the St. Christopher necklace that Becca had given him, uh, which to me um, sets up Butcher dying next season. No, um, I don't buy it. I, I don't either, but that's just, you know what I mean? The when, show doesn't when you... work without Butcher. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Honestly, uh, he's the like reason he's... I... It, it can be kind of symbolic of like he's finally trying to give up chasing Becca and he's just going to be full revenge from here on out. So he's like, this is the last act of humanity I can do is to not bring this kid down with me. Here's all right. the love that your mom has for you. I'm just I'm 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 abdicating responsibility for both you and also living up to her memory. I'm on a vengeance quest now. <laughs> is kind of how it reads to me. And maybe. Maybe him giving Ryan that necklace is more signaling that he finally has not acceptable, but he has closure on Becca that yeah. he thought she was dead for so long. She came back. He tried to get her. He tried to fuck her over. He tried to fuck her. He tried to unfuck her. And now he can finally move on that she's dead. I don't know. But, I think that the closure bit is 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 significant. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, 
in the comics, he, he is much more ruthless, much more single minded in his ambitions, shows less, you know, kind of cuddly emotion, which should tell you all you need to know about Butcher in the comics right there. So but but an element of that is that Becca is already dead by the beginning of it. So this could be the thing that sets him over the edge. I think that the closure bit was uh, was really spot on. Yeah. Uh, so Butcher taught Ryan how to not be a cunt. Um, <laughs> That's important fatherly <laughs> advice that no one ever gave Homelander. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it should if be so only, much different if somebody just told oh, them that. bomb. You just couldn't tell them that one thing. It's, um, it's all. It's the only thing in the how to be a father, how to expect when you're expecting book for fathers. It's like like a hundred pages. <laughs> it's just one line at the first page, and the rest of them are blank. <laughs> um, the boys have been apparently cleared of fucking everything, both the crimes that they were uh, framed with and the ones they actually did. So it's <laughs> a fun line. Victoria Newman is leading a new governmental department of soups. Uh, Mallory has the funding to have a team watch soups. MM goes back to his family. Yay. Frenchie and Kamiko have their whole lives ahead of them now and leave the Clarkson Ave hideout. Homelander jerks it over the city at Alabama Batman monologuing over Gotham. Apparently that was a scene they wanted to use in season one, but it was cut like they weren't allowed to do it. Yeah. But now that the show was proven popular, they were allowed to do that scene this time. So. Oh, my God. And it was I could do whatever I want. I could do whatever I want. It was really yeah, good. That, that is so child tantrum, like grappling with the fact that like there aren't any adults around. Like it's I, yeah. freedom. I but have also control. Fear. It's, you can't take like, control from me. I like have Lord it. of the Lord of the Flies kind of stuff. It was like there aren't any adults around. So we we have our run of the place. Oh fuck! I can't do any like I'm I'm scared out of my mind. I think that's where he is right now. Mm. Um, I I do want to say, uh, super cool for me because uh, in the comics they start out as a governmental body. Now a governmental body is being set up for the specific intention of fucking with soups. Yes, very good. Um, I really like how Kimiko and Frenchie kind of end this this segment. Uh, they had a little line earlier on about like. You know, a, a very V for Vendetta line of like, uh, if there's if there's, you know, what, what's what's the point of an ending if there's no dancing or something like that? Something yeah. to that effect. <laughs> um, and they they kind of have you see them in the silhouette and it looks like they're maybe going to kiss and then they just start dancing. And it's like, that's fucking perfect. She's coming yeah. out of her shell. She's finally been able to, like, avenge her brother and can move on. He knows how to talk to her now. They're able to enjoy each other's company, and it's not fucking sexual because it, that was never their dynamic. It's great. Mm -hmm. I love it the most. And I do like that they it, it kind of furthers that thought that when he kissed her, um, it was just because he had no idea what to do. Right. Totally. It was like a yeah, totally a scared reaction. I was so worried about that moment when it happened, and and seeing it recontextualized by this is very cathartic. Um, Victoria Newman and Alistair have a talk on the phone about the collective helping give dirt on soups. Uh, if Newman expedites uh, the collective's tax-exempt tax status, as they hang up, his head fucking explodes. And it pans out and is Victoria fucking Newman outside right of the office what? blew up his head. <laughs> what? She's the sploder. She's the sploder. That's her superhero name, sploder. <laughs> uh, it just occurred to me. Now that I'm like looking at her and she's going to be doing like this campaign or something. Oh, that's just a XP of like Vic the Veep from the comics. I had I never put it together that Victoria Newman was just Victor Newman from the comics because in the comics he is like a puppet for Vought and he has a single digit IQ and just continually says, I want my dicky suck 
Uh, and that's the only thing that happens with him in the comics, except for that one time that he uh, assassinates the president with a Wolverine. I'm getting sidetracked. The point is, this is a character from the comics, you know, gender swapped and made a lot more smart, giving them superpowers. But we're like leading into, oh, she's a Vought plant. And yep. now Vought has designs on the presidency. Mm-hmm. Or at least something in the realm of governance, which flips the script from like corporate uh, corruption. And like we're going to I think we're going to sidle in season three with like political corruption. Yes. Because if because at first I was like, this is amazing. She's the one that's been doing this the whole time. Then I was like, OK, so what are her motivations? Why? I totally missed the whole like she's leading the Department of Supers. Yep. On in Congress. As a vault plant, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And like who she killed, Raynor. Now it makes more sense that she killed Raynor. She killed, mm-hmm. you know, all the people at the hearing, like whenever, all the people that Vought didn't Whenever information want. is going to come out about Vought, that's when and she it, needs to kill people. And right. it makes sense because for, for a lot of reasons, the fact that she would have known what was going on with Raynor as a government entity herself. Right. 100% exploded her head. I rewatched this the house attack scene. Oof. Um, and the first person's head to explode is the judge. And Victoria Newman mm. is looking right fucking no, at it's him. Vogel as it it's Vogelbaum. Vogelbaum no. first, then no, the judge. judge was first. It was the judge first. Oh, seriously? And, yeah. yeah. Oh. Nobody believed me last episode. And they keep cutting to her looking shell shocked, panic with her eyes darting around the room as oh. people's heads explode. She's firing when, up her targeting module. Yeah. When, uh, well, it just, honestly, it's just her looking around randomly, just blowing up people's heads. It didn't matter who it was. And as Mallory tries to like pull her away to get her out of there, she specifically looks back to her um, assistant and then blows up her fucking head and then Whoa. uses that to sit back down in a chair and continue looking around, acting shell-shocked, but just blowing up more people's fucking heads. It was heads. done so well, because they showed her a bunch of times, but it was just like, oh, yeah, she's a main character. We're, we're worried that her head's going to explode. Right. Yeah. There was, I had absolutely no inkling that it could have been her, or uh. even anybody in the room I didn't think it was. Right. I thought it was an outside thing, and it's just, that was so such a they set up Cindy as a motor, reasonable, uh, you know, a reasonable otherable possibility. Like, if we didn't have Cindy... In that earlier uh, episode, we would have started wondering who in the room is doing this because it's got to be someone herring can't be no Um, one. And (laughs) can't be no one (laughs) when her and Mallory are talking to the defense secretary at the beginning of the episode. It's Victoria Newman who says, well, whoever did it obviously just blew up Soundwave and a couple other Vought people on purpose to make it not seem like Vought, like literally telling her. The defense secretary, yeah, what she did, I did this because of this reason. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's great. But we want to believe her because she's AOC, which, you know, yeah. like that, that buys her a which, lot of mileage in this day great, and age. That is a great play. Like, yeah. no one would expect AOC to be the head sploder. Um, yeah, the head of Antifa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the highly regimented organization. Oh man, uh, in, inducting seventy-year-old uh, men as their field operatives. So initially, I had the reaction, and I think a lot of people did, of like, "Oh, that's fucking stupid." But the more I thought about it, the more I liked that twist. No, I loved it from the beginning because yep. it was so out of out of nowhere to me. I so many other ideas that we had talked about, none of them were even close to correct. And yeah. it establishes rules for her powers that she has to be within eyesight of someone. That's very good. She them. was in eyesight of Rainer when she did that. Right. 
Or maybe she just has to see it. Maybe she can watch it on video or something and do it. Who knows? We don't know quite that far. Yeah. But, but yeah, we just to see the person. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. cool. I, I originally didn't like it either just because it was soap opera kind of twist stinger kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm having a lot of problems with that in the last few episodes. Uh, the yes. dying in your arms sequence did not help with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that they it's justified. Like I'm I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I think it's really cool how it works into um, the whole Vic the Veep from the comics and them setting up oh, now there's going to be politics involved and that's going to just crank everything to a new level of fucked up. Yeah, if fucking next season is House of Cards uh, with superpowers, I'm all for it. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, we should mention <laughs> Huey also goes in to ask for a job from her right after this happens. <laughs> yeah, right into the fucking good. lion's so den. Great. I'm going to stand on my setup. own two feet and just sign up with the fucking ultimate I need evil. something a little bit less stressful than all that stuff that was going <laughs> on before. <laughs> <laughs> I never really fit in with the boys. They just want to kill people. And <laughs> it's it's, it's well, so Huey. I'm enamored is. with this goober at this point. Like, poor poor guy. I just love him. Like, so it could I, only I, happen to him. I, I love where this is going. I'm super excited for season three. I'm super excited for the spinoff. Um, What's the spinoff going to be? It's going to be a college age team. So it might be Teenage Kicks or. Oh, um, hell yeah. Yeah. Or one of the other ones we might get to see fucking the Blarney Cock, you know? Finally. Yes, please. We need to. He's got the best name, obviously. Um, do we think season three, the boys get injected with Compound V? Aren't they powered in the comics? They are yeah. powered in the comics right from the like beginning. Immediately. It, yes, because they are funded point. by the... Here's the thing. They're funded by through a governmental agency. It's revealed that um, it's $5 million a pop in the in the show. Um, mm-hmm. It's $5 billion a pop in the... Uh, in the comics just to give somebody like straight up super strength and durability. But I, I think that maybe they are setting the framework for, well, they're, they're funded by a government agency. Now government probably has access to V in some capacity. Yep. Maybe now that it is ref- quote unquote, maybe it's refined now. I think it's possible. I don't think it's required though. Like they've no. been doing a really good job without the powers to this point. Like, and mm-hmm. they do have muscle in the form of Kimiko and you know uh butcher for other more more different muscles so it's not required i I think it might it may be i'm actually kind of skeptical whether it would be a good idea to give them powers at this point because that that shifts them from underdog status Mm -hmm. yeah i think if they did it now it would be jumping the shark kind of and and it's almost somewhat of a relief that they are the boys in fact are just people Yep. It makes it makes the title make more sense. And they're just the boys, mm-hmm. just regular people. I mm-hmm. think if they were all invulnerable, it would take away a lot of the suspense yeah. of things. You wouldn't be too worried about them because like, oh, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless somebody stabs them in the eye with a knife. <laughs> right. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and they're just we we need more of Kimiko Scooby doing villains masks off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was really I, I would... a guy without a face the whole time. <laughs> nice i i would kill for any more frenchy and mm time like i don't care what the context is mm being a cute dad is i i will watch i'll watch a whole like lifetime movie with him (laughs) having like watching his daughter grow up um i'm curious how they're gonna pull him back in that he went back to his family like what's gonna happen to make them join up again because we got a ton of closure i wasn't a fan of that at first 
that like everybody's story was basically done. Like this seemed almost more like a series finale than a season finale mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But I like that we're going to, we, we have to have some new inciting incident to bring the boys back together. So uh, he needed a win initially. Though. Yeah. Initially like, I took that's those been his motivation. I took those little vignettes as they're done with the boys that, you know, the, the villains beaten or whatever and, and they're done. But I think it was more of a celebration of they no longer have to hide anymore. Now right. that their names are clear, they can live their regular lives, that they're not necessarily done with each other. True. But even Butcher walking away from Mallory after being told, you know, hey, they needed a superhero watch group. I want you to do it. He even seemed to kind of be walking away from that life. So he didn't I could say no. It's I ambiguous. Yeah, I could certainly see season three opener being a time jump. Yes. Everyone being in radically different places. Yes. Six months, maybe a year later. Yeah. Huey's been working for Victoria Newman for a while. It can and... be more than a year. Like, what if we get uh, Ryan to grow up a bit? I was going to say, it depends yeah. if Ryan's still part of the show, because it will have to be a time jump because he's going to age a lot. I mean, they changed the actor from season one to season two for Ryan. So I can certainly see them doing it again. Yeah, it was just some other blonde kid. Yeah, it, he, barely, he was just shot. barely in the yeah. finale of season one. No. I don't even yeah, I didn't remember because I forgot about that shot anyway. Yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty brief. <laughs> I I had uh, only seen it because someone had made a meme of uh, calling Ryan Doppeldonger because he looks so much different between each <laughs> season. You didn't get the details right. I was using an outdated photo. <laughs> That's so great. I totally didn't notice that. But so that does it for season two. Uh, of the boys it was a fucking great ride we had some ups we had some downs we fucking blew through a whale um <laughs> the best yeah, this was fucking wild it was amazing uh for overall us, real good yeah, as a fan overall. of the comics i am very very satisfied with uh with the show at this point um so that that does it for for us here um as always i've been your host tim of the professional casual network my co-host dan cole author of lanny girl without fear um, and the Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure, a WFRP 4th edition actual play here on the network, and uh, also dancoleauthor.com, where you can get uh, his blog and a whole bunch of other rad shit. Yeah. And um, our comic book liaison uh, from the Carton cast and fancybat.com, uh, Ben Ralliford. Thank you guys Thank you. for being here. This was an incredible season of the show, and uh, I hope everyone enjoyed it. It was real fun. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the Professional Casual Network has to offer, including season one of The Space Between Presents I Saw a Tiger, which follows the Netflix smash series Tiger King and details the acid-washed antics of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff Lowe, as well as others. This season, we're taking a deep, dark dive into the four-part Netflix docuseries Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lanny, the Girl Without Fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. 
Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things. 